2: listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m and now here's pastor scott hey everybody welcome to the pastor scott
1: show great to be with you as it always is get a little chilly out there but it is still winter after all it's february 29th february 29th happy leap day to you i don't even know what that means is it a good day or a bad day I don't know. It's an extra day, though, so I guess that can be really good, especially if you're getting paid by the hour. This is the uh, Pastor Scott Show. You know, election is on Tuesday, the primary election, and we encourage you to vote for a whole lot of reasons. One of the big reasons to make sure that you vote is there's all kinds of screwy things happening in Sacramento, uh, in case you haven't realized that. Sacramento is... uh, it it's something that people don't even pay attention to in our state it's very interesting we're we're like this big state that ignores what our legislators legislators are doing and we're a one party state which doesn't work no matter what party it is because there's nobody else looking somebody asked me today they said what is it that people do uh up there. And why is why is this even happening? I said well no one's looking so it doesn't matter. They don't have to do anything. The agenda's basically set. No one's opposing it or no one can oppose it to uh, except for the voters. You guys can. Uh I'm with Jennifer Kennedy. She is a uh, how do I even describe what you do? You are an advocate for so many things, for voters, for parents, and uh, we're going to talk about some bad bills today. Welcome to the Pastor Scott show, Jennifer.
3: Thank you. It's always great to be here and I'll tell you, I'm an advocate for freedom. In every aspect and in many aspects. So it covers everything. It covers our rights in every context. Family, property ownership, home ownership, taxes, our right to do almost anything. That's what I'm for. So
1: Jennifer pays attention to what's happening in Sacramento. Once in a while, Jennifer, we do get uh, a little notice of what's happening in Sacramento. One of the things we found out today is that uh, the minimum wage for fast food workers goes up to $20 on April Fool's Day. Uh, Isn't it, that appropriate? Unless... You are Panera Bread, and you've given a bunch of money to the Governor for his uh, election campaign. The somewhere in the bill, apparently, you get out of the having to pay your employees 20 bucks an hour if you sell bread separately
3: freshly baked bread
1: that's right freshly baked bread <laughs> let's get it right separately yeah well that's why you're here as <laughs> we exactly. want to be technical let's about. look at
3: the fine print here and pretty much we're all bread bakers now yeah, here, aren't
1: we here's what the uh, governor had to say about this california's
0: new uh, fast food minimum wage law has a notable
1: exception somewhere i've got oh no that was it it has a notable exception that's the story well here's the story
0: california's new fast food minimum wage law has a notable exception The Panera bread chain. There are claims it's due to a relationship between Governor Gavin Newsom and a donor who owns multiple locations. Starting April 1st, the new law will raise fast food workers' minimum wage to $20 per hour. But Panera is avoiding that increase due to an exemption written into the law that says bakeries are not fast food. A Bloomberg report found that the owner of more than 20 Panera locations, Greg Flynn, has contributed to Newsom's campaigns, including a $100,000 donation to help him fight a recall effort. Flynn claims he had no influence in crafting the bread exemption for the new law. A spokesperson in the governor's office said in a statement the law is, quote, a result of countless hours of negotiations with dozens of stakeholders over two years. Okay. You know, it is
1: a wild thing. So here's the governor's response.
3: In this bill that exempts Bakeries, essentially, places that sell and bake bread on site, so carving out essentially Panera and Boudin. I wonder, I mean, what? why did in the agreement, did you all decide that those workers should not be within the umbrella of this?
0: I mean, that's part of the sausage making, that was part of 257, the original bill, and we went back and forth. And there was part of the negotiation, it's the nature of negotiation. There's a lot of component parts in the industry. It's not just Jack and Box, not just McDonald's. There are a lot of different players. This affects a lot of different franchisees and different models as it relates to that um, and different conditions and environments. And so that was all part of the give and take, and that was the collective wisdom of the legislature and ultimately led to my signature last year Mm -hmm. in relationship to the work we just did. There were a lot of other adjustments and give and takes in terms of how many franchisees or rather how many franchises you'd have before you're exempted and the like. And just the nature of negotiation, trying to get a, you know, a referendum off the ballot. Uh, as I said, it's not easy, uh, but we all came together and uh, with purpose and intensity, oh. and that's where we landed.
3: Did
1: you hear the reporter going? Oh, yeah, oh! I what did know, he say there? Exactly. He didn't say. You know, he didn't answer it. He has. You know,
3: that's he, what we call a word salad.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, that's Sacramento, my friends, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on that uh, you shouldn't know about, according to them, right? But uh, there you go. So Jennifer. We're going to talk about a couple of things today. There's some serious things to talk about with the uh, family and the, the parental rights legislation and lawsuits and all of that. We're going to get to that. But we also want to talk about some other bad bills in California. Some, some other things that voters should be aware of. The people that you're about to vote for they, this is the kind of thing that they're putting forward in Sacramento. Where would you like to start with that?
3: Let's start at the fun one, the no right turns on red.
1: You cannot turn right on red. That is being proposed. So in your vehicle, you will not be allowed to turn right on red unless...
3: Unless, well, unless there's a sign. So here's the deal. In California, we are allowed to turn right on red. And we're one of the, you know, not every state in the union has that. There are many states that prohibit it. And in fact, in New York City, of all places, with all that traffic, you cannot turn Turn right on red unless there is a specific sign. Hmm. Now, here we're the opposite. Like you'll see down over by the mall, by the racetrack, you can turn right on red anywhere unless there's a sign stopping yes, I, you. Yes,
1: I got a ticket once for turning when there was a sign. In fact, I told the officer I didn't see the sign, and he laughed and he at laughed, me. And he laughed, And then I went back, and there turns out there were three signs.
3: Yes, right. They love that. Actually, that's an easy ticket because they're like, we told you. We told yeah, you here he, he totally and there. laughed
1: at me. I'll never forget that. <laughs> no. He goes, no, there's a sign. You're
3: not getting out and of that there was three of them. No. Yeah. So here's the the thing about the right on red. Um, why are they doing that? Yeah, why are they why? doing that? Why it can't I
1: turn right? Mm-hmm. A lot I of have, left turns then. You,
3: you may not know. Where did this come from? We didn't always have a right on red law. It started back in the 1970s, around 1973, when we had the gas the gasoline shortage. There was the oil problem and the gasoline shortage, and we had all these lines at the gas pump. And the right on red law was introduced as a gas-saving maneuver, hmm. meaning if you got to turn and you didn't have to sit idling at that light, you were going to save gas. Okay. That's where it came from. So think about how ironic is it that we've got kind of a a conservation measure from 1973 and now it's no longer a conservation measure? What happened? Well, what
1: happened? And aren't we trying at least to conserve?
3: Exactly. What happened to climate change, everybody? We need that right on red law.
1: Yeah. So what's the deal? Why are they getting rid of it?
3: I have a theory. Okay. Here's my theory. You may have seen throughout your cities these road diets being laid down on really, really uh, well-traveled streets. And they are eating up the space devoted to cars, and they are building little curbs and dedicated bicycle lanes. And this isn't your old bicycle lane painted on the ground. This now has a 3D curb that goes up and creates this little – it's a two-way bike lane. Oh. And when you reach an intersection, that bike lane then swings out into the intersection uh, into the the next lane that you would normally oh, turn right on yeah yes okay and I think they're planning ahead, that they're going to have a lot more of those. And having to swing that far out onto a right turn, I think, is going to cause problems. And they are proactively putting an end to that.
1: Yeah. You know, that's what everybody loves is when a bike lane is put in in a community where no one's riding their bike.
3: Exactly. Where no one's like, going to ride their bike. Everywhere. Right? Yeah,
1: everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be the reason. By the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show and my guest is Jennifer Kennedy. You can call if you've got a question or you want to chime in, 888-528-2557. Some people ride bikes, and I get that. But One of the issues, right, is that this is happening in streets that narrows the street. You called it a road diet. Yes. Right. That's That's what they call it. And I remember in, in downtown areas, in San Diego, I think it's 7th Street downtown, they did this. They put in the exact same thing. There were still zero bike riders, or mostly zero, but... What it did do was it took away parking in front of businesses that really needed that parking. It's downtown, right? So there's no mm-hmm. other parking. That's right. And it it made the road uh, down to two lanes instead of four. And uh, it it created congestion, which probably does pollute more and cost more gas and all of that all for nobody to ride their bike.
3: Yes, and in fact, you know, the theory is it's going to encourage people to ride their bike to work. This is not going to happen. When they legislate better behavior, it doesn't change into better behavior. It changes into angry people because they will now start to avoid the street with the road diet, mm-hmm. and they will go off onto side streets, and that's where you get into trouble with side streets taking all that extra traffic. That's where you have increased accidents, increased injuries. It actually has the negative. Effect than what they hope for. You cannot legislate people into quote better behavior, such as taking public transportation,
1: right, or riding their bike. And most people don't live close enough to ride their bike, or at least a lot of people, right? So it's not realistic. It's not in Southern California. It's a good idea, um, but I would come in here, you know, after a couple of hours, very sweaty and smelly and.
3: Exactly, you know. and you might not be able to fit all your possessions in that little basket on the front either. And so,
1: I'd have, <laughs> have to carry it, everything in my bag. It'd be—I uh, would get in better shape. That would be good, but uh, I would never see my family.
3: Right. It is. It's a. It's a ridiculous. It's one of the many very crazy um, behavior modification laws they're trying to push. Right. And I think there's money behind it.
1: Yeah. There's another uh, law that is behavior modification. It's SB 961. Requires all new vehicles sold in the state starting in 2027 to be equipped with a speed limiter that prevents the vehicle from driving more than 10 miles per hour over the speed limit.
3: And everybody knows, everybody remembers, right, that the speed limit is, in fact, 65 on the freeways. Only on the freeways. Certain, freeway. yeah, right. on the freeways, right? Yeah. So no one goes 65 anymore. I, I, I think 80 is like the new 65. <laughs> so think about it. You're going to be shut down at 75 miles an hour, and you're not going to be a, I think it's a safety problem myself, yeah. I really do because that sounds funny, but it's true. If you can't hit the gas to maybe swerve around something or maybe uh, increase the speed, or if you cannot control your vehicle the way you need to in that moment, guaranteed, it's going to cause problems for people.
1: Yeah, because sometimes to avoid an accident, you don't hit the brakes. You hit the gas and move around it. That's right? right. You have to take that. And if you're already at that maximum. Now, that's just the freeway. This sounds like it's everywhere, which also suggests to me that you're, this this device will also have a tracker on it because it needs to know what street you're on. Like, I've got an app that that tells me what streets. I won't say the name of the, wap, the app that I use all the time, but uh, it tells me the ways to go. And when I... <laughs> <laughs> and it tells me how fast I'm going, and it tells me all the different. You know, I hit the button, and it tells me all these different things. And uh, and you know, Jose, uh, our our own uh, Jose here, he won't, he will no longer be allowed to go in the HOV lane, according to uh, Colin, because you you will have to, you won't be able to pass those Priuses that are in there,
3: <laughs> right, slowing exactly. everybody down.
1: But that's another issue with that, right? Is the government then would then be tracking you?
3: That is uh, scary, and in fact, we need to look at the fine print in that legislation to see if it does apply to location of vehicle. Yeah, Um, yeah, that just seems crazy.
1: So that's another law that uh, we had a whole segment on the show about that. People were not happy about that a while ago. Uh, Here's another one for you: Uh, non citizens would be lawful permanent and and non citizens who are lawful permanent residents would be able to serve on juries. So you don't have to be a citizen anymore, just a resident, a legal resident, to serve on a jury.
3: This is an agenda. If if people don't see that by now, they need to. Okay, what do we have being provided to... Illegal aliens, undocumented people. We have uh, – they can now become cops. They can now uh, carry and own and use weapons. Mm-hmm. They want to give – well, our state wants – is already going to pay all their medical care. The Health And no. now they want to have them serve on juries. They base this is de facto citizenship right. being granted to people who have no right to it and haven't even sought it.
1: Well, how do you get on the jury list? Isn't it because of your voter registration? That's right. So That's right. So you have right. to have a voter registration. So a non-citizen – Who is on a jury is there because they're registered to vote.
3: That's right. That's the only way you get on there, and that means they have a California ID or a California driver's license, which basically puts the lie to the voter ID thing. And everybody ought to have to show voter ID. Um, That's another point. But it's true (laughs) they are trying to. If number one, look at the border. Look at the hundreds of thousands of people the Biden administration is letting across our border and granting them all kinds of goodies. Mm -hmm. It seems to be well. It's intentional.
1: Well, and this is something that is why you pay attention to these things. So the reason we're talking about these uh, bad bills here today is that this kind of stuff, you might be saying this is crazy, and not all of these things are going to pass necessarily, but oh, they might That's because right. you have super majorities, um, and uh, they all could pass. And this is one of the reasons why we have to pay attention to what's happening. Uh, <clears throat> and it's not an accident, right? That's, I think, the other piece there is that there's some agenda that – is behind all of this stuff and sometimes it's also just not well thought out so for example the uh, another bad bill is the is to make up for another bad bill is the supermarket plastic bag
3: oh yes don't get me started on that remember 10 years ago when they said we had to get rid of the really easy to reuse thin plastic bags and they said they were clogging our environment and they had to go so what do they do instead they kept, There was a loophole, and they allowed grocery stores to create those really thick 10-millimeter plastic bags that you can't do anything with.
1: Right, and that you just throw away. Yes. You don't reuse it. You don't use it to pick up after your dog, which is what we used them right. for. And, you know, it uh, – Everybody knew that, though, immediately. So the first time I got that bag, which I resented the whole dime thing. In fact, honestly, I never – I shouldn't say never, but almost never paid the dime. I refused. (laughs) I just put everything back in the cart.
3: This is principle. Thank you. One time
1: I was going out, leaving Target, and I just bought a whole bunch of stuff I wasn't planning to buy, right? And I refused the 10-cent bag, and instead I pulled up my shirt, and I just carried it out in my shirt (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> and it was raining out, and Folks, I'm just getting covered in the rain. This I didn't is want to civil say disobedience. The yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, unfortunately, uh, when the COVID happened, I just sort of gave all that up. So right. I started well, spending the dime.
3: Except, recall, they did too, right? They all gave right. up the environmental thing. You could no longer bring your bags, remember that? You yeah. couldn't place your bags on that conveyor belt at all. But they've admitted, here's the thing, it was in the LA Times just a week and a half or so ago, the increase in plastic waste the tonnage of plastic waste has gone up yes it's since that law significantly it has backfired it can, essentially yeah but so they decided new law instead of just repealing right. the bad law let's make a new one
1: right and so the new one will uh, ban all plastic bags of any kind starting uh, in january 2026 uh I'm, Whatever bag they have has to be made from recyclable material or recycled right. material. A
3: hundred percent post-consumer recycling. And believe me, they'll find – do you know they put people out of work over this? We oh, yeah. had literally plastic bag factories. People lost their jobs over this virtue signaling about, again, this was trying to legislate better behavior. Yeah. Everyone bring your canvas bag to the store or, You know, or pay a dime. And it didn't work.
1: Yeah, it didn't work. In fact, the, the uh, Colin's saying, bring the canvas bags. But the canvas bags get dirty. And germy. And, and germy. And they, they make you get sick because it gets on your fruit and whatever that's you want. Right.
3: That's right. And
1: uh, so there's, there's multiple problems. And I think that's some of the, the issue, right, is that when government gets involved in the nitty-gritty details of our life, like I'm all for not filling up the landfills full of stuff. You know, if we really wanted to recycle, there's ways to do that that are practical and effective. I'm not even sure that you know we put everything in the blue bin or whatever color it is where you are. I think most of it still goes in the same hole.
3: I think you're right. Yeah. I think you follow that rabbit hole and you find that most of all the stuff that we have carefully, you know, put aside in the bin and we've looked at the bottom to find the number on the bottom. Who knows right. where those numbers go? Most of it is getting burned or shoved in the landfill somewhere. Yeah, or
1: the same thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you go to some place and it's got like the three different trash cans, you yes. got the food one and you got the recycle <laughs> one and then you have one that's just trash.
3: Exactly. I've
1: noticed a lot of the time there's only one bag underneath all three holes. And you know It all goes in the same bag.
3: Coincidental. I've noticed that. At Panera, yeah. Well,
1: you know, <laughs> at, I, I think it's at Universal. They mm-hmm. the trash can actually says, "Hey, somebody goes through this later and and filters it all out." So you just throw all of your leftover corn dogs and stuff inside here. Nobody's doing
3: that. Movie magic.
1: Yeah, there's nobody. Nobody. <laughs> it's called aspirational recycling. Yes, that is the actual term. And I think that there was a time when more of it went into uh, recycling, but now it doesn't.
3: Yeah, aspirational. That's great. We all hope we something to good be. happens. If we to feel this.
1: good about the fact right. that I took the time to put the plastic bottle in the plastic hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all the same bag.
3: And you know, in the state of California, we have uh, CalRecycle. We have what's called the Bottle Bill, which was introduced in the 80s in order to uh, let people recycle the cans, the glass bottles, and uh, the aluminum. Um, that Program itself has a lot of problems, but you think about it. That's like the only thing you see being recycled anywhere.
1: There's some percentage, you know, to be fair, that does this. But the LA Mm -hmm. Times, all these newspapers have reported on it. That's where I got the term. Uh, I think I got it from the New York Times, aspirational recycling, Mm -hmm. because they discovered that China was buying a lot of our recyclables. And at first they were recycling. Now they just throw them in the ocean or in a hole. Mm-hmm. So it, you're not recycling. Same thing
3: with cardboard. China buys most of yeah. our American cardboard is fantastic. And China buys most of it. So when you're carefully, de- you know, boxing, detaping those boxes, putting them in the bin, it's going to China. What do they do with it? They, I think they break it down and they turn it into the really awful cardboard that they send us the things in.
1: <laughs> Maybe so. Something like that. Okay. My guest is Jennifer Kennedy, and she is an advocate for uh, so many different things. She's an attorney. And... Um, one of the things she is aware of is everything going on in Sacramento. We need to take a break here in a minute. And we definitely want to talk about maybe there's a couple more of these that you want to talk about. But we definitely want to talk about the issue of parental rights and where is that happening? What are, what are some developments in that world here in our state? You know, and as you're thinking about these things that we're talking about, we kind of laugh and we joke about it. But this is this is serious. This is the work that your legislators in Sacramento are doing they're they're trying to force you to ride a bike or force you to do this and that it doesn't even make all that necessarily wrong but we have a 75 what billion dollar deficit we've got high crime high homeless and uh, we're not fixing all that stuff
3: it's important who we put in office. and
1: Yeah, and it's important that we pay attention. That's our job as citizens. And we've been given that God-given right, I believe, in our country to do that. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show. You can also watch us now on Rumble. Go to your Rumble account, rumble.com, and look for the Pastor Scott Show. Click follow and watch us live every single day. We'll be right back uh, as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back,
1: everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557, 888 528 two five five seven my guest is Jennifer Kennedy she is an attorney and advocate for uh, for you for the voters for parents and we have been talking about bad bills in California California is in trouble and we've been talking about Uh, And over time, you've had we've had her on the show before and we've talked about what's going on in the schools and in particular in the area of parental rights. And we have some updates that we want to let you know about. And this is an area that shows that when parents are involved and that, Jennifer, that's a Mm -hmm. big thing. You know, with all these bills, the silliness going on in Sacramento, when people pay attention and they get involved, certainly with their vote, but even just to make phone calls to call the office of their assembly person or their state senator and register your opinion it begins to have an effect. Somebody once said, I wish I had the quote, but basically all politicians, ultimately they just want to get Mm reelected and stay in power. So the more people involved the more likely they might be to listen.
3: That's true. And it's actually, it's working. So all the crazy laws that just came out when we talk about, well, some may pass and some won't. It's true. Some are going to slip through. The ones that we target, and when I say we, I mean the grassroots, when we target them and we make them toxic for the people who've associated themselves with them, then they lose. Yeah. It, we've seen it happen in the last session where we beat back that horrible AB957, which was going to force, you know, affirmation of child gender transition as a matter of law. We beat. Even though our legislature passed it and it was on the governor's desk, Newsom could not be tied to that, and he vetoed it, thank goodness.
1: Especially because he's running for president.
3: That's right. He he couldn't look to be associated with that, and that came down.
1: But that same bill passed, or similar bill, in, I think it's Michigan or Illinois.
3: That's the trouble. Yeah, like you
1: now, as a parent or an abuser if you will not transition your kid because they want to be.
3: It's all real. They have a um, – I'm sure there's memos that go across the nation of these leftist legislators. They all agree, hey, let's try this now. You try this language. We'll try that. And, yes, that's like the flip side where to not affirm your child is to be abusive. To mm-hmm. not affirm your child is to be the parent from whom we will take custody. That's right. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. Our listeners need to know. Last session, Aaron Friday did try to get support for a bill That basically would say to not affirm your child's gender transition is not considered abuse. Simple. Seems, you know, common sense, right? Right. No legislator would take it. No legislator, Republican or Democrat, of course, would sponsor it at all. None of them. Not a one.
1: And that I think that goes to remind us of what's happened in our state. It really is a one-party state. So even Republicans up there or anybody who might just have a dissenting opinion, even a Democrat who doesn't think the same, they're afraid.
3: That's exactly right, and they have. Unfortunately, it's true to say they really have no power mathematically. On every committee, they are in the minority. On every, in every vote, they are in the minority. So they often don't want to. I mean, why introduce a bill unless you have bipartisan support? Whereas the Democrats, they can they can pass anything they want, and they can also kill anything they That's want. Right.
1: That's right. So tell us what's going on in the schools. Catch us up. But there's a, a really good ruling that happened with uh, Temecula's. That's Temecula right. Temecula Valley, Valley
3: Unified. Yeah. That's right. So the background is, you know, the COVID blew the lid off on schools and their secret gender transitions of children. And by that, I mean the secret uh, collusion between principal, staff, uh, counselors, and children who are publicly identifying as, quote, transgender on campus. And they're asking that school to treat them as the the opposite sex. And that means call me a new name, call me by new pronouns, let me go in those opposite sex bathrooms and be on those teams. That is a public trans identification of a child and schools have been concealing this from parents. Yeah, The, ba- the backstory on that is they think they're entitled to do that. They are not. So here's what happened. When that cat got out of the bag, we introduced parent notification policies. We attempted to do it with AB 1314 as from a statewide um, uh, standpoint. And, of course, what did I say about killing bills? Democrats would not give it a hearing. So we went to the school boards, created a parent notification policy. This was sponsored by Bill Asaley, and, again, written by attorney Aaron Friday. And we got school boards such as Chino Valley, And Temecula Valley to pass parental notification policies simple to say, you know what, when my child is exhibiting this behavioral red flag of asking you to treat the child as the opposite sex, you need to tell me as a parent, you need to let me know because I'm concerned by that behavior and I want to help my child. That's it's my job as a parent. I want to help my child. Please just tell me about that. That was the policy, and it created a firestorm throughout the, the state. And here's what happened. Chino passed it. Temecula passed it. Our Attorney General, Rob Bonta, wants the policy of secrecy and lying to parents to remain state policy. So he sued Chino Valley. And now, he didn't sue Temecula, but Chino Valley, when Rob Bonta sued, everybody said, oh, my gosh, he's going to sue every school. No, he didn't. Who sued Temecula Valley for their parental notification policy? It was a teachers union sponsored uh, lawsuit brought by a, a public council, kind mm. of a nonprofit. And they sued for two reasons. Stop the parental notification policy and stop Temecula's ban on critical race theory. They had also gone one step farther and had passed a ban on teaching critical race theory. So this was the great ruling. I know it takes a long time to get there. The great ruling is this. The opposition, they came in asking for an injunction, asking the court, while this case is going on, you got to stop these policies. That's enjoin these policies from going into effect. And the judge said no. The judge said, I'm not going to stop these policies. I don't see that you have grounds to stop these policies. And when a judge denies a motion for preliminary injunction, that's the signal that you've lost your case. That's right. You're done because you've already not been able to show a likelihood of winning on the merits. So it was a real victory because the judge said, no, parent notification policies don't violate equal protection because we treat all students the same. Any student – Regardless of presentation or identification, any student who um, is subject to this policy, uh, whether they identify as transgender or not, they, p- parents will be notified if certain events occur, namely name change, pronoun change, mm-hmm. et cetera, request to use other bathrooms. This was a great ruling because it affirms what we know to be true in this country that parents possess the ultimate right, the paramount right, to direct the care and upbringing of their children, not the state.
1: And that's the law, by the way. So it's an odd thing. and something that people need to pay attention to. And this is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. My guest is Jennifer Kennedy, and uh, she's an attorney and an advocate for parents and parental rights, among many other uh, titles. And uh, it's what is being said is that, parents, you don't have the right to do this. But actually, the opposite is true. Parents in this country and in this state have the right to provide for the care and custody and companionship and management of their kids. They can choose the education, all of those things. There are things you can do to lose those rights, abuse and, and some other things, but you inherently have those rights. They cannot be taken away for no reason.
3: That's right. And in, what you see in state law is we start with the presumption that children are the domain of their parents yes. and that parents have the right to do XYZ and control all these different things. Only when the state comes in to grant rights to minors does that change. For example, in California with the unfortunate law allowing 12-year-olds to go get abortions on their own without parental consent. That that's a state statute. Right. That doesn't. That means that in this state, this state thinks that children have the right to do that and parents don't have the right to know about that. But that's only by state statute. So that's why we need to stop these kinds of laws that, can, that begin to – they're really de facto emancipation of children. We have the ability in state law for a child who wishes to be on his or her own. You can go emancipate yourself, but you know what you have to show? You have to show the ability to live on your own. You have Mm -hmm. to show that you have financial wherewithal to live on your own. You have to seek this emancipation, your own court order saying, good luck to you. You're on your own. But our legislature is doing end runs around that. And they are granting little children these rights that allow kids to do things they really shouldn't be doing without their
1: parents' knowledge. Why are they doing that?
3: Unfortunately, I think the end game is when you separate a child from his or her parents, when you break up the nuclear family. You're headed to communism, is what you're headed to. Well, it is Marxism. It's control. Like people yes. uh,
1: I, and I, you know, people use the word Marxist or Nazi. or are communist, you know, and, and most people don't know what those words even mean. Uh, you know, I always think you know, Antifa is probably more actually fascist than right. not. Exactly, and they're supposed to be anti, <laughs> but. Uh, In Marxism, part of the theory of Karl Marx is that the state should raise the kids and that some of the problem, and he would put it in terms of the problem with inequality and the problem with the distribution of wealth and those things, he blamed a lot of it on the family, on on parental involvement, on parents being able to teach their kids values, and he thought the state should do that, and that is what is behind this, is that parents need to be out.
3: Yes, and that that parents are dangerous. That's what we are hearing, which is appalling and really astonishing in these school board fights where the school board is trying to say, look, we want to be honest with parents and we want to involve them with every aspect of their child's education. You have these adults coming into the board meetings arguing that, um, listen, parents are dangerous, Parents will injure or kill their children if they find out this particular thing about their child's behavior on campus, and therefore only campus is safe. And all the adults at school, they're the safe people, but the parents aren't. This is absolutely wrong, and compl- 100% wrong on the vast majority of parents who love their children and will do anything to support them and make their life happy and successful. Yeah. But the attitude being put out there is that we are the problem.
1: All right. So there's a bunch of things that uh, you can do to help, and I'm going to have to hold you over. Can you stay one more time? Because I want people to recognize that you still have time uh, to help get a statewide ballot measure on the ballot, we're going to talk about how to do that and where you can do that, and what it would do is require parental notification from the school about, you know, gender changes or other things for your kids. It would protect girls' sports, which is a, a huge deal. More and more often, see the basketball game where the transgender guy—it's a bearded guy oh. who doesn't look at all feminine, or you know, he's got it's a beard. lady ballers. Yeah. My goodness, and he literally picks the ball up, and the other girl is holding on to it, you know. But he picks her up and the ball, flings her off yeah. before he makes a shot. But he's a girl, apparently.
3: And we're supposed to look we're away. we're supposed
1: to say, that's, that's normal. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Right. Uh, and it'll also prevent child sterilization. Those are the three things. And I think that 90% more more of our state supports that. Uh, but there's a fight against it. We'll tell you how to do that. ProtectKidsCA.com if you want to check it out. We'll be right back with Jennifer Kennedy on The Pastor Scott Show, Thursday edition. Stay tuned Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. I'm here with Jennifer Kennedy. She is an attorney and an activist for parents and for kids and uh, on a lot of different issues. We've been talking about what's happening in our state, in Sacramento, what's happening in our schools. And we have our election that actually is now because you have your ballot now, unless you've already voted, in which case, good for you. Um, But probably at least half of you have not voted. Actually, probably 80 percent of you haven't voted because statistically, a bunch of you are just going to throw that thing away. Uh, please don't do, don't do that. The The issues are significant uh, for us. So, Jennifer, we were talking about before the break um, a proposition that uh, we'd like to get on the ballot that is about requiring parental notification from schools on gender issues. And tell us about that and uh, how people can help get that on the ballot. This will be on the ballot for November.
3: That's- And it's for November 2024. Let's get it on the ballot. This is the initiative called Protect Kids California. And you can go to the website at www.protectkidsca.com. And this initiative... Is You'll see it. it, We're doing petition signing right now. We have to get nearly 600,000 signatures by April in order to qualify for this this for the ballot. And here's what it's going to do. Three things. Number one, protect. It's going to protect girls' sports and spaces. We're getting the males off the basketball court, getting them out of girls' sports and out of their bathrooms and locker rooms. Number two, we're going to respect. Respect parents' rights to know what's happening with their child on campus and respect the them as partners in education. Schools are going to be honest with them and stop the school secrets specifically about transgender notification or transgender identification. And finally, we're going to reject the mutilating and sterilizing gender interventions that are going on in this state on minor children, and that's the cross-sex hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. We're going to ban those in this state. And most people are on this
1: page, right? So most people, Democrat, Republican, are on this page, that parents have these rights, that these things should not be hidden. We're talking about, you know, in the trans kids thing, we're talking about trans kids who are already out, right? It's not even a private thing. They're out on the campus. They're not being outed. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. It has nothing to do with sexuality either. It has nothing to do with the L, That's the right. G, or the B. It's all the T. And that that narrative has been fed to these poor kids since they were in kindergarten. Mm. And a lot of them are simply um, uncomfortable, like, like uh, middle schoolers are. They're awkward. Yeah. And they are given this answer, which is reprehensible. And the answer is, your body's all wrong. In fact, you were born in the wrong body, right. and you need to take drugs or carve yourself up in order to be happy. That's child abuse, in my opinion, and should not be foisted on our children. And And when they are brainwashed, when they like succumb to that narrative, a parent needs to know. Yes. That's, that's the whole part about respect parents' rights to know what is happening, what is being told to their child on campus. And by the way, speaking of on campus, right here in the LA Unified, we have a curriculum that they're so proud of, and it's called the Queer All Year Curriculum.
1: Yes, I've read that curriculum.
3: Mm-hmm. And in order to change things like the curriculum, we've got to replace that LAUSD school board, and we have some candidates here that need to get on the school yeah.
1: board. Let's talk about that for a second. I want you to give out that website again so oh, yes. people know about the, um, the petition that needs to be and how to do it. Oh,
3: absolutely. We'll do that. It's, again, www.protectkidsca.com. And this is a grassroots effort. Right, We Mm -hmm. are on shoestring budget and very few volunteers. We need you to be our grassroots army. Go to the website, print out the super easy petition, and you'll see the directions on how to do it. And you'll see a little video on how to collect signatures properly. We need you to sign it, and we need you to gather your friends and family's signatures and then send them in to our committee.
1: Yeah. And it's important to read what it says because how it's being characterized out there already is uh, there's already a lawsuit. So Rob Bonta again, our uh, esteemed attorney general in our state, um, you know whenever you put something in the you know on the ballot that's a ballot proposition, there's a name for it, right? It's not just the number it gets, but it's a sign. But there's a name, and he called it uh what do you call it here it's uh, i had it right in front
3: restricting well let's it was yeah. supposed to be protecting children protect the children of california right? right and he turned it into restricts the rights of transgender students right
1: he called it the restricting rights of transgender youth initiative yes. which is not what it's about it's no. about parental rights and it's about exactly what you just said so he's getting sued for that title but you can see the games once again that happen in sacramento it's just the a lie to get you to vote no. Sometimes they switch it around like the yes is really no and the no is really yes. Oh, There's yes. all kinds of things they do to confuse you in mm-hmm. these ballot measures. So uh, protectkids.ca, or protectkids.ca.com. That's right, dot com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to have that done in the next month. That's right. Almost, uh, almost March.
3: Well, here's the thing. The good news is we're doing well. We are picking up steam because a lot of our church communities are coming out because everyone wants to save children from these barbaric issues interventions these surgeries that are cutting up their healthy bodies for no reason and these um, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones that are sterilizing them yeah. for life
1: and decisions that these kids are making and often sometimes parents are making them for them, unfortunately
3: right? that's true
1: uh i think there's going to be a reckoning soon where a lot of these issues will go away because of the horrific result That this is going to happen.
3: And we already know that people, people, entities like Kaiser and other gender clinics are being sued for damages by the detransitioners who they bought the lie. They were convinced into the lie and their lives are ruined now.
1: Ruined. Like no kids, no relationships, no sexual satisfaction. There's just ever.
3: Not to mention the pain.
1: And then pain, Mm -hmm. lifelong, uh, your lifelong medical patient, Mm -hmm. the it's just an incredible thing. So that's mm-hmm. protectkidsca.com. dot right. com. All right. So you're talking about school boards. So that's another place. L. A. Unified. Not every place has school board things on the ballot for Tuesday. Uh, but LAUSD
3: does. Yes, we do. And really, this is where the phrase "all politics is local" yes. becomes so so important. Our LAUSD school board is absolutely captured. I don't have to tell people; we all know that they're the ones that attempted, that did enact a vaccine mandate on our children and threatened to kick them out of school if they didn't take it. And they felt perfectly fine about that. These are the same people who enacted the queer all year curriculum. They reupped it this year. They're fine with that. So we need to flip those seats. And we have three candidates I want to tell you about in District 1, District 3, and District 7. So everybody check your ballots and see which district is yours. Because in District 1, we need to put Rena Tambor on the board. In District 3, we need to put Raquel Vialta on the board. And in District 7, Lydia Gutierrez. These are the people who will, who will bring common sense and parents' rights back to our public schools, because those are missing right now.
1: And the, and the school board, like you said, local politics, I if we can just learn something, there's so much news about Trump and Biden, Trump and Biden, Trump and Biden. And honestly, those two guys aren't going to affect this much at all, actually, either one of them.
3: No, either. Uh,
1: it it's, is the people that you vote that are really low on the ballot, that place where you get tired or you don't know the names, you're know, like, I'm not going to... It's worth taking the time to do this. One of the people uh, that uh, they, the teachers union had endorsed, a guy who was a full-blown communist and uh, anti-Semite and everything, he got caught recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in District 1, and he's probably going to win still.
3: <laughs> that is a sad commentary. Because nobody pays attention. People need to pay attention. And And, Scott, speaking of names, I would like to encourage... I would like to encourage you, if you don't know who you're voting for, do not vote for that office. But also, don't pick the familiar ethnic name that you think might be representing your values, because I can tell you, if there's a D next to that name, they likely do not. As we were saying at the beginning of the show, all of these crazy laws that have been passed, that are offensive and appalling and restrict our rights and cause our children to run away— These have been – this is a one-party state. They've been acted by Democrats. So that means the sitting incumbent uh, with maybe the familiar ethnic name, they voted for that. That person supported that. So that person would have supported mandates on your children. That person supported the bill that's letting 12-year-olds run away and check themselves into residential shelter. Guaranteed.
1: And it could be be anybody's name on there, right? You might Mm -hmm. just say, oh, they got the letter for – the reason you put up all those signs all over town – like what the difference what difference does that make it makes a huge amount of difference because people vote for the name that sort of pops into their mind at mm-hmm. that second mm-hmm. i used to put those signs up and i used to put them you know on freeway exits on voting day and all that because we knew we'd park a car in front of the you know ballot place with a bumper sticker with right. whoever to,
3: <laughs> and you technically weren't not allowed to
1: do that right. but uh, you know whose car is this i don't know uh i repented of that uh This matters a lot. Mm -hmm. And your vote, it will impact things a lot.
3: Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking, you know, uh, here in uh, California, my Hispanic friends say that there's a saying, if you're brown, you vote blue. If you don't know who's on the ballot, you look for the Latino name. It's
1: blue no matter who. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's what it is. (laughs) And the thing is, is that... You shouldn't do that if you're red and whatever, the, if you're in another state where that's the case. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at the people. You do. And what they actually support and say they would support. hmm And just to vote for your party and unknowing who they are, that's a mistake.
3: It's, yeah, and it's put us where we are in the yes. state of California, which is totally in decline in almost every aspect.
1: In almost every aspect. hmm all right, Jennifer, thank you for being with us today. We're about out of time, and there's so many different things. And everybody, if you're listening, if you want to get the podcast of our show and share it with your friends, you can do that. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Uh the Pastor Scott Show. Click follow and subscribe, and you can download it, you can post it, those kinds of things. Uh Jennifer, anything any final words here before we go?
3: Well, the final words are Protect Kids California. Please go on the website, do us a favor and do yourself a favor to protect the kids. Every kid in California needs the ability to just grow up themselves, grow up, no scalpels needed, right? Kids are perfect as they are. No drugs and scalpels necessary. Protect Kids California is going to help our kids uh, thrive.
1: All right. Protects protectkidsca.com. Check it out. Just take the time to do that uh, right now. And uh, Jennifer, how do people reach you?
3: They can find me on Instagram at jenken23, on Twitter at Jen Revere, and on Facebook at Jennifer Lynn Kennedy.
1: And Jen, are you on a program on our sister station on a Saturday night? Sometimes? Of course I
3: am. That's right. I have a, a legal segment, the Legal Legal, over on the LA Hispanic Republican Club Saturday nights, typically in the 9 o'clock hour. 9
1: o'clock hour yep. on Saturday nights. Okay. Wanted to let people know that. Jennifer, it's always good to have you on this Pastor Scott Show. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. All right, everybody. You can follow the Pastor Scott Show by on your social media by looking for at Pastor Scott Show on TikTok. Yes, we're on that. We're influencing the Chinese government. That's how I look at it. Also on X and Instagram and Facebook at Pastor Scott Show. And you can watch us live every day now on Rumble at rumble.com. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show and click subscribe. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show Thursday edition continues in just a moment.